I wonder what people see when they look at me. Am I a person to you? Can you identify in some way with me? Or am I just another nigga? Subconsciously put into boxes as if we're all the same. That same subconscious is what's boxing in your brains. To see all the pain, all the shit that people with my melanin go through. This pigment, which is all it really is. How does a chemical in my genetic makeup make others wary? I'm still trying to figure this out. I feel the stares of people and their judgment like laser beams in eyes that look cold and unwelcoming. How they try to read you, but the pages would be too great for any comprehension. They're not ready to take a step in my shoes. The size is just too much to fill. While some can live there, Others just look from the outside. Jaws dropped. That was a piece titled White and Black by Tarek Boyce from his first book of poetry titled Black, Blue, Green. It's a book with a collection of 10 years of poetry writing. You can follow him on Instagram at poetry by Rick, spelled R-I-K, for more information. Hello, my unapologetic beauties and bulls. Welcome to a special segment brought to you by Unapologetically Her titled Unapologetically Black. Unless you've been living under a rock with no source or connection to the news, social media, and the outside world, you would know that despite the pandemic going on right now, we as the black community are facing yet again, let me reiterate again, pain, frustration, fear, anger, rage, sadness, and confusion. And what normal people would say in light of, I am saying, in the darkness of the murder of George Floyd by an incompetent Minneapolis police officer along with his three incompetent counterparts. However, it's not only George Floyd that we have lost, but Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, DeAndre Campbell, among others are just to name the few who we have lost this year, but add on to the long-growing list that stems from as far back as our grandparents can remember. This is more than just a protest. This is the black community trying to have their voices heard and their lives valued. In light of the protests and all that has been going on, both across the border and here in our own backyard, I realize that it's not only my due diligence, but my responsibility and my right to use my platform to not only voice my thoughts and feelings, but to give others the opportunity to share their voice as well. With that being said, This week's episode titled Unapologetically Black has been broken up into several episodes because let's be honest, one would have been way too long and the goal is to keep your attention and to make sure that you listen attentively. The goal is to not only discuss what's going on, but to discuss how we're really feeling, talk about personal experiences, our history, about oppression, interracial relationships, what it's like to be out there on the front lines how it feels to be black in today's society. There are so many different ways to experience it, but in one way or another, we're all able to relate to each other. The goal is to touch on things that we don't always get to hear about and from the voices that you wouldn't normally hear from on a day-to-day basis. Now, before I play the interviews, which were previously recorded throughout the week, please keep in mind that listeners' discretion is advised. What you're about to hear is one person's experience, point of view, and story. 
No, it doesn't reflect everyone's experience and sentiments on a whole. However, it does shed light on the things that some of us have experienced, felt, and came across. I beg you to please refrain from being judgmental, but instead to listen. Listen to these voices and to use their message as a learning tool. Embrace those who are brave enough to lend their voices to this podcast. In this episode, I am joined by Anissa, a 23-year-old female from Florida who not only has first-hand experience growing up Black in America, but protesting during this time. Followed by an interview with Apollo, one of two hosts from the podcast, The Educated and the Reckless. In this interview, I am joined by Anissa, a 23-year-old female from Florida who is brave enough to share not only her testimony, but her thoughts and her experience of protesting during this time. My first question that I would love to start off with is, how are you? I'm okay. (laughs) I think, uh, as you can imagine, the last week has been pretty stressful and overwhelming for the most part. Um, I think, I always think of of this quote, by James Baldwin, um, to be, and this is not the exact words, but to be, essentially to be a black, uh, a conscious and aware black individual in America, or for anywhere, anywhere for that matter, is to be in a state of rage all the time, and I found that, I found that recently, I've, I've been, the last week I've been so angry, just so frustrated, so exhausted having to debate these topics that are so important to our community and trying to help people understand where we're coming from and and you know people are some people are just ignorant and they're they don't understand and they don't care and they don't care to understand and so um it's difficult to have to have that that discussion all the time it's almost like it's our job as black people to educate can you describe for us firsthand experience what it's like to be out there protesting being at the protest, um, being on the front lines was just absolutely exhilarating. Um, it was just, everyone's passion was so palpable. Everyone's energy was insane. Um, you know, you're facing off against at least 30 officers in riot gear, you know, with batons and tear gas canisters and shields right in your face. And, um, you know, it was, it was terrifying, but it was also so empowering. And I remember everyone's, everyone's, like I said, everyone's energy is so heightened, everyone's, everyone's so riled up, and it gets you even more riled up. And um, just seeing even non-black allies out there ready to risk everything, risk their lives for hours, hours was, was incredible. It was so, it was just, I mean, I was emotional, honestly, just watching that. And um, thankfully, when I was there, at least, the protest was non-violent, thankfully, so... For those who are thinking to join a protest in their own city, how would you suggest for a person to prepare for one? When you're going to a protest, um, first thing, of course, is sign to hold up. Um, a fanny pack or a backpack to hold your items, such as your cash, cash, not debit cards or credit cards. Um, water is so important. I was out there for five hours, walked about 12 miles total in the sun. So I was, I became super dehydrated and lightheaded because I was giving my water bottles out to everybody else. Um, but you need water, it's so important. Uh, snacks to refuel because you're gonna be burning a lot of calories while you're out there, um, walking around and screaming and kneeling and all this stuff. Um, you're gonna need, 
comfortable uh, comfortable shoes, comfortable clothing, form-fitting but comfortable clothing in case you need to run for any reason. Um, write your emergency phone numbers down on your arm in case you get arrested. Um, and you don't wear contact, if you wear contact lenses, don't wear them out there in case you get tear gas or pepper sprayed. And also bring milk or water with baking soda in it for tear gassing. Now this is a bit of a combination question, but do you believe the media is portraying the protests accurately or inaccurately? And how are the police interactions with the protesters? I'm getting all of my news from Twitter and Instagram, so I'm not so sure how Canada and, and other countries abroad are um, portraying what's happening in our country, but I'm assuming they're showing a lot of the looting and riots, which um, I, I guess that's somewhat accurate. I mean, it's, it's occurring in a lot of cities, but I think they're allowing that to diminish the message and uh, twist the narrative of what's of the bigger picture. There are way more um, nonviolent protests happening than there, than there are violent ones, and the ones that do turn violent, a lot of them are actually turning violent because police are inciting that violence. And that needs to be discussed a lot more because there are people who are literally protesting peacefully and get tear gassed or pepper sprayed in the face for absolutely no reason. Now, this is, once again, another combination question a little bit longer. We've seen this happen a lot within recent years, and it goes back even further than what we've learned or what we remember. Why do you think at this current moment, voices and protests seem to be stronger and more determined than ever. Also, how do you feel when you see the looters and the destruction of businesses, especially smaller black-owned businesses? Of course, I prefer if, you know, local and small businesses weren't touched. Of course, I prefer if nobody was harmed or injured. But do I overall support the riots? Absolutely. Um, I'm not advocating for destruction. I'm not advocating for violence. I'm advocating for change by any means necessary. People are more focused on how we're protesting than why we're protesting. And that shouldn't be the focus at all. Like, look at what led up to, to this, these riots. Like, look at what led up to it. You know, you can't really pass judgment on how people decide to react when they've been being slaughtered in the streets for years and decades with, without any consequences, you know, with, with nothing being done about it. Of course, people are going to react, you know, and and be super upset and be angry and react accordingly. And you can't really judge that. It's clear that we've exhausted all other options at this point because they don't listen when we just, you know, when we just hold up signs and kumbaya peacefully. Like that, that alone has never worked. So an entire system needs to change. You know, police are rarely ever held accountable for their actions. An entire system needs to change. And you may think it's extreme and irrational, um, but if rioting is what sparks that change, brings about that change, maybe it's worth it in the long run, right? Rioting has been a legit form of protest and a tool used to make political statements since the beginning of America. The Civil Rights Act of 1968 was passed after six days of rioting in 110 American cities. 110 American cities rioting. Six days later, the Civil Rights Act was passed. So, you know, it might be extreme, but it's worked, and it's working right now. With that being said, many of the looters are not even protesters. They're just people taking advantage of the situation. And, of course, when you have a riot, there's going to be people that participate in opportunistic robbery because it's convenient. Um, but they don't define our cause. They're just a small percentage of us, and they're outliers, and there's a portion of those trying to do good. You know, 
stop trying to twist the narrative that our movement is senseless by mixing in those trying to make actual difference with those who are just looting for no reason like don't mix this together because they're they're not even a part of the cause they're just people trying to take advantage like i said and honestly um for the multi-billion dollar corporations that um have contributed to black oppression i couldn't care less if they got um if they get looted honestly they'll be fine they have insurance How do you feel about hashtags and campaigns like the one we had this past week, Blackout Tuesday? Do you feel like these things help the initiative or are they counterproductive? I do think that our our movement is getting more support than it ever has um, before. And it gives me so much hope to see that. I mean, I've seen protests happening in New Zealand, South Africa, Ireland, Germany, France, Puerto Rico, Japan, like places that I didn't even know our voices reached. You know, and I think the difference with this hashtag is that is that people became so infuriated that they began burning down their own cities to get their point across. Like, I mean, people are, our biggest cities are on fire. You know, people are storming the White House. Our highways are being, traffic is stopped, is stopped on highways because people are protesting. Like, it's a visceral reaction that, the government has never seen from its citizens before. And I think it's terrifying them. You know, they were laughing at us when we were kneeling at football games during the national anthem. They're not laughing now. I think another reason why it became such a big phenomena, phenomenon around the, around the world is because of the absolutely horrific video of George Floyd's death that blasts on social media. You know, I can, I can be honest and say that I became desensitized a lot in, in a lot of ways to watching black people die at the hands of police in on video you know you see it so often but this video filled me with a rage so deep you know a rage that i have not felt since the video of philando castile that was the last time i felt so heartbroken watching a video of someone dying at the hands of cops and um you know i think people just people of all races just couldn't ignore it any longer and this is this is about police brutality yes you know, but this is more so about the mistreatment of black people and brutalization of black people that have been ha- that's been happening for decades and fighting for that. This that's what this is about. It's bigger than George Floyd. This is this is so much bigger than George Floyd. You know, this is about every single black person that was targeted and brutalized and killed by police officers. You know, and obviously it's about police brutality. That's that's what I'm saying. Police brutality, but at the same time, it's more so about the mistreatment of black people that's been happening for decades with no consequences. I don't think Blackout Tuesday and things like that are counterproductive at all. Actually, I think that they're very useful. I mean, the entire purpose of Blackout Tuesday is to put a pause on everything irrelevant to the the movement, you know, and um, just use your platform basically for initiatives that can help our cause, you know, stop promoting yourself, Stop promoting your brand and just, you know, provide resources and links to your followers that they're able to help as well. Some people are just putting a black, we're just, we're just putting a black square and that was it. But the entire purpose is to show your support for the movement and also provide your followers with, you know, the resources to be able to help as well. What can you say to those non-blacks who are afraid to speak out or who would feel that it's awkward or not their place? To the people who are afraid to be allies or speak out for us, 
we need you. We need you now more than ever. I can't stress that enough. Um, you know, we can't do this alone. We, we never could. We're, you know, black, black people are only 13% of the U.S. population. 13%. You know, that's why they were able to ignore us for so long. And now that we have this much support behind us, they can't ignore us anymore because we have the support of the majority, which is so important. Um, if you are afraid to speak out, if you refuse to show your support um, or even, you know, help in any way, you're absolutely complicit in what's been happening. You're complicit because you're not speaking out, because you're not supporting us. Um, and, you know, if you have black friends, black boyfriends, black girlfriends, a black spouse, black kids, this involves you. This is your fight as well. You know, so I think I would just tell them to. We need you. Moving forward, how can we help the Black community and make sure our efforts and voices stay consistent and not remain a temporary fix? How do we continue to come together and support one another? Going forward, we need to all do exactly what we're doing right now. Um, you know, boycotting businesses and companies that are doing wrong, um, spreading the word, using our platforms to spread the word about injustices in our community, um, you know, amplifying our voices as much as possible, in terms of government, it's going to take a complete overhaul of the system. It's going to be, you know, it's not an easy fix at all. It's, a, it's going to be a longer fight. But um, for me personally, I think I just want to see accountability every single time for every single officer, every the police department around the country, every single city. I want to see accountability brought against um, every officer. I think we're in the right direction right now with the pro charges brought against the officers involved in Floyd's death. So we're on the right path. What do you say to those who necessarily don't want to go into the streets and protest or can't go out and protest, but want to make a difference from home? If you're not able to go to protest, um, you can do a lot from home. Um, donate to the bail funds of protesters. Donate to the, families, the family of George Floyd. Um, sign petitions that call for the conviction of Derek Chauvin and the other officers involved in, in George Floyd's death. Um, share those links with your followers. If you see ignorant comments, call them out, educate them, you know, don't ever stand idly by when you see blatant racism ever, whether it be in real life or on the internet, you know, standing by, especially, you know, if it's, if it's your friends or your family, it makes you complicit. And before we wrap up this interview, do you have any final remarks that you would like to say? My ending thoughts, um... I'm just really glad this is getting so much attention around the world. Um, we're fighting for black people abroad as well because racism and the mistreatment of black people and police brutality is not at all exclusive to just America. It happens all over. So we're fighting for all of our black brothers and sisters around the world as well. Um, I will never stop fighting this cause. I don't care how tired I get. Um, our ancestors put up with much worse and they never stopped fighting. So I will never stop fighting. Um, and until we see change, we'll be at war within our own country, period. I hope that you love what you're hearing so far. Stay connected by not only listening to the podcast, but you can watch the recordings on the YouTube channel, Unapologetically Her Podcast, and follow the podcast on Instagram, at Unapologetically Her, and at Unapologetic underscore UH on Twitter. If you want to connect with me personally, your host, Natalie Nadine, follow me at Natalie Nadine on all three social media platforms.
Okay, you guys, we are joined by Apollo from the Educated and the Reckless podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure being here. I enjoy yeah. talking, you know, to making new content and, and allowing people to hear my voice. Absolutely. And a voice that needs yeah. to be heard. Thank you. Thank you. So my first question, I usually start off asking everyone, especially with this episode, how are you? Uh, me personally, I, I'm doing well. I always like to keep myself in a positive state of mind, even mm-hmm. though I see a lot of going on, not even what's going on right now, but even dating back to like coronavirus and, and just always me being in, in moving around. But I always try to keep myself in a positive state of mind. So I, I could say for myself, I'm doing well. Uh, yeah, doing well, positive and all of that. That's good. And that's the thing too. Like there's some people where they feel like they're angry, they're sad. There's a big question mark kind of like over their head, like what's going to happen next? But that's good that you can still find a way to stay positive within these times and be like, okay, how can I look at, I would guess the bright side. How can you look at the glass half full, not half empty? How can I switch my mindset differently to not only spread positive positivity for myself, but for others that I come into contact with. Exactly. Exactly. I love that. So you see what's going on, not only in the States, but here in Toronto as well. Yeah, I see. I see everything. Uh, A lot of people don't know. I I actually have a blog that I I run. And on top of that, since I already do a podcast and stuff like that, I'm really invested in what's going on through social media and this news. I love that. Can you actually plug that? Oh, Apollo for the People. That's what the page is called. Nice. So I created that back in 2017, just a, for a, a way of, for me to kind of, you know, continue to find more information about my passion because I like hip hop and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. you know, I just in terms of just finding news and other, I, and other content and just putting it right there. So it forced me to just kind of stay on the trigger in terms of what's or what's going on in the world in terms of hip hop and, and just social issues in general as well. Yes. Okay, so make sure you guys hit that up. The description, if you're watching this on YouTube, will be in the description box. If you are listening to it, head over to Twitter, Instagram. You'll see all the information there where you can check out his blog, check out the podcast he's a part of, and also hit that follow button. Hey, thank you. Right? You guys, again, one of the main things we have to take away from this, support others within the Black community, support each other. Yes, sir. That's what it is. That's That's what you got to do. Exactly. Do, especially right now where it kind of seems like it's us versus them. Uh, this is a great time not even to try to in-house fight with each other, but to um, educate each other if we see another brother or sister misinformed and, yes. and, bring them, and bring them on the same page in terms of why we're going about this and, you know, what what's working and why is it working like this instead of kind of demonizing the, our, our own people mm-hmm. and, and, and creating divide, which is unnecessary because we can't be fighting uh, for our own rights and, and fighting against the injustices and not, and then bringing each other down within it. It's kind of counterproductive to the overall movement because that plants uh, envy and seed and, and, you know, it would hurt us from the inside out. Right. I, who can debate that? I'm with you 100% <laughs> facts. Who can debate that? Yeah, Are you exactly. kidding me? Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to jump into our first question today. So where was I? Oh, yes. So do you think you can kind of speak on the pro- on the protest that happened this past weekend here in Toronto? And how did you feel about it? So I could I'm going to be honest, I was not present there, but mm-hmm. I do know the, the people that were affected by that, um, you know, unfortunate situation that had happened with that young lady 
Yes. And the and the police officer. Uh, all the information that I do know is that uh, you know, there was a call uh, because he was some mental illness or, mm-hmm. uh, and the family was trying to get a uh, find a different way to deal with it. Yes. So they called the police, and um, from that step forward, and then we just see the videos of the cousins and the family mourning her death because uh, mm-hmm. she somehow you know felt her death from a balcony. Uh, allegedly, they're saying the police did it, but. Right. And, allegedly. Yeah, yeah, allegedly. So uh when I saw that and then I saw the protests come up about I feel like it for us over here on this side, mm-hmm. uh we're dealing with uh the bombardment of what's coming from the United States as well as what we are mm. we harvest here as well as a community. So when we saw that happen as well as, you know, George Floyd, RIP to that man, his death and how it it brought emotions towards people in Canada, especially the black people in Canada. Yes. Uh, it was a whirlwind of just like we need to have injustice. So when they did go out there and protest for that young lady, mm-hmm. it was for her, but it was also for uh, the George Floyds and stuff like that, and and other countless black people who have exactly. uh, lives been taken unjustly from police brutality and things like that. Uh, so yeah, I, I can't I can't say I was there, but from what I saw, videos and pictures of seeing people came together in unison. Mm-hmm. and with a common goal and it was very peaceful and it looked like it it was changing or it caused some type of uh snowball effect with inside our political figures because we saw justin trudeau and and uh to john uh, tories yes exactly mm-hmm. so they recognize what's going on and we we're able to bring out a lot of people to you know show what where we stand on in terms of the community inside uh toronto gta and stuff like that absolutely i kind of like how you said that be like it wasn't just a march for, and it, just in case if you guys don't know, her name is Regis Korchinski Packet. So if you kind of want to CP24, Google her, you can kind of see the story that Apollo's referring to. But it's a march not only for her, but again, for the countless Blacks who have been affected, who have been killed by police brutality within police presence. So it's a march to be like, enough is enough. Like this has exactly. been going on for so long. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. We, we, we may have, we, I can't honest, I can't say I know the exact numbers of what, what goes on with inside our, our country in terms of how many people's life has been taken yeah. through, um, you know, irrational uh, police actions. But I can say that the ones that I do know, it, it's very unfortunate uh, mm-hmm. when I come about it and, you know, 2020 is allowing us to all come together and uh, practice unis- unity and, and, and fight against the injustices that are faced towards us. Because I wanted to say that although we may not, you know, un- we may not all understand certain aspects of each other in terms of like my other fellow black sisters and brothers, yeah. uh, but we all can say that we kind of do share a collective experience in terms of what the black experience and we all can relate on that. So yes. that's what brings us together. No, I, I definitely agree with you. And when you said the part that we don't really necessarily know the numbers when it comes to, you know, Canada versus America. However, how do you feel when people say racism and police brutality is not as prominent in Canada as it is in the States or when they say it doesn't exist at all? Uh, I think those people might be uh, ignorant in terms to what's going on here. And I don't say mm-hmm. ignorant to be in a mean way. Ignorant just means you, you lack knowledge and knowing, right? Yes. So they, in a better way, they don't know, right? They don't know. And it's, it's kind of hard for them to know because we don't necessarily have the strong outlets that are our 
focusing that type of news energy in towards the community and towards other people to allow us to know what is going on, who's really being diligent. Mm -hmm. I can't even say the word, but who's really (laughs) being out there uh, letting us know that there's a lot more injustices happening. So there might be injustices that do happen and people tend not to, or tend to not downplay them or not to speak on it, you know, into a very big sphere, but it happens. Mm -hmm. It's just that, in Canada, I, I'm not quite sure where I can I find those information from. Like you might have a small conversation with a friend or two or a friend of a friend and they yeah. might just say that they they had uh, been unjustly profiled by police and stuff like that. And I believe Toronto had its own little carding issue that we had a few years ago mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, was at the forefront. So there's, there is, there's a lot of prejudice to profile racism and stuff like that. But our racism is uh, more polite in terms of why I say polite. It's more covert. Yes. It's uh, still systematic. It's covert, though, but they'll smile in your face and then try to systematically bring you down in a way that you might just consider that you were just not qualified for, say, a job or mm-hmm. uh, it was other other things that hindered you rather than your race. Right. And I think that's what people don't really seem to understand, especially if you're cross border. One, our media, our news doesn't get played like that in America, like America gets played here. Yeah. I remember I had I hadn't mentioned something on Twitter. I think it had to do with the show Black AF that came out on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And someone commented to me, oh, well, you don't know how it feels to be Black and colorism. I said, where do you think I live? I'm like, don't get it twisted. As much as I love Toronto and Canada, I love my country. It, it, it exists. Don't let the politeness and please thank you fool you. It's here just as much as it's there. But it's like you said, they smile in your face, but then behind your back, it's a different story. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, and I think it, it plays into our culture as well uh, mm-hmm. as Canadians. Uh, that w- so the, the way that we're racist or the way that we, we uh, receive racism is the same way that we receive uh, maybe someone giving us rejection. It's very covert. You don't necessarily yeah. see, it's not blatant at all. So I like to say it plays into our culture overall as Canadians because how we go about going or giving someone the curve or rejecting them is, uh, you know, yeah, yeah I, I'll talk to you later or mm-hmm. uh, they'll smile at you. But in terms of like, I don't want to be a part of that or I don't want to be a part of that. The same way we could receive racism is like, they might smile in your face. They might, you know, tell you everything that you might like to hear, but the back of their mind is like, I, I'm not quite sure if I want that type of uh uh, presence or imagery around my, you know, business, you know, yes. when I have, I'm trying to attract other people and I don't feel like you are that set image that's going to bring in the people that I want and they'll find other ways to let you know. Oh yeah, absolutely. Kind of just be like, let me see like, you know, some nicer, vo- nicer vocabulary just to not make it seem as harsh, but it's like yeah. read between the lines. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So it's very present. It's very pre- uh, prevalent here. And we could we could take it. We could take it down to the floor with, with, in terms of how uh, black or, or blacks or African and Caribbean uh, people are faced with inside this country. But we yeah. also have something that even is even uh, another president, which is the indigenous people who have we have yes. we have learned nothing. Of, we have learned a lot about their injustices and how they have been you know, suffering with inside this country. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's something that that is right there. We we see it. We grew up reading all about their history and stuff like that and how the white man came in here, uh, yep. pillaged, uh, took the land, uh, gave them sicknesses and depleted their population to a point where it was just hard for them to uh, really fight back. And then, 
you know, gave them some scrubs of land and asked them and tell them to, to get on. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And these and these reservations, I, I had traveled somewhere, some part of uh, the country of the country, and these reservations that these uh, indigenous people stay on, they are very out the way. They're really? they're they're very out the way. It's not like they're they're not like an hour away from here sometimes. No. Well, I'm not quite sure about Ontario, but from where I was, it was very out the way from the very nearest uh, metropolitan city. So, oh, yeah. wow. And it's sad too, because like you said, we've been hearing about this just as much as you've been hearing about Black history, you've been hearing about the Indigenous history and their community. Yet here we are, decades, century later, and it's still history repeats itself. Yeah. So yeah. how much killings they've had that people actually don't talk about at all. The struggles mm-hmm. they face, but again, people kind of just turn a blind eye because they're a minority or they're this, they're that. They don't care. They're not close to us. That's not our neighbor. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, and so I'm glad that you brought that, that last part up. Us as North Americans in general, the Western society, we don't care about a lot of things until it's right there on our doorsteps. Yep. Yeah. And, and we're I, all guilty I, of that. I'm all guilty. We're guilty. Mm-hmm. We're guilty. I'm very guilty of it. I'm very guilty of it. If it's happening somewhere else in the world where it's far from where I'm at and I'm able to wake up in my, uh, wake up in the morning in my bed without any type of, um, you know, reason to be concerned. Yeah. Uh, I call that a good day and I'm not necessarily focused on what's going on, but it's, it's unfortunate because I'm doing my stuff over here and I'm, I'm able to live a fruitful life while someone else is suffering. And mm-hmm. possibly if, Maybe if all of us banded together in terms of trying to have a unified world, uh, the world would probably be in a better place. But uh, before we got to get there, we got to still figure out what's happening in the home base. But I just want to say that. No, you, you definitely, it starts within you. It starts within yourself, your own backyard. Yes, what's happening over there and over here is important, but it starts with you. Take the time yeah. to educate yourself. Take the time to speak with someone, get their firsthand experience. Don't take everything at face value and really go in depth with what's actually going on. Cause exactly. it's here, it's right under your nose. But again, if it's not like, wow, here's a billboard in front of you. It's like, it's, we just ignore it. Exactly. And yeah, it's, it's, it's unfortunate, but it happens. Uh, my next question for you is now in light, I would say in light, but more like in darkness of what's mm-hmm. going on. Did your parents have to have the talk with you when it came mm-hmm. to racism? Did they have to make it a point in recent years to have a conversation with you concerning the fact that it's more common and seen now? So did they talk to you about racism, police brutality, something, it's something that you might have to face? So I, I guess many like myself and probably many others will have like parents who are immigrants from here. So I'm, I'm considered what first generation. Mm-hmm. And uh, my mom is African. She's from Nigeria. Yeah. And she never, I never had the, the conversation in terms of, racism conversation i don't i don't i can't recall but mm-hmm. i what i do recall is i guess maybe remnants of my mom trying to train me to be uh appear to be non-violent or non-threatening to yes. the other right so in terms of you know wanting my hair to be low cut so i don't seem you know aggressive and or or, or raggedy type of thing or even mm-hmm. uh, like like a, a gangster and stuff like that uh my mom would always be concerned as like how I look, but don't want you to go out there looking in terms of a different type of way. So I guess that was her, that was her way of like, all right, make sure you look presentable. And so, yes. so they don't have a reason to say that 
yeah, you look like a criminal. So I guess that was, in a way, probably that's probably even problematic within itself. Mm-hmm. But that was her way of just telling me and letting me recognize that, you know, society. And it took me a while to actually get to this point anyways. Mm-hmm. But, it took, but at the time, I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, like they don't want have, the baggy pants or the hoodies. Yeah. And so, and as you get older, you're able to see that people have prejudice and, and uh, put you in stereotypes of yes. because of the color of your skin and how you may uh, dress. But it may not may just like the, the comfortability of the style or something like that or your inspiration just comes from hip hop but uh that's 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 I guess that's the talk but it wasn't much of a talk. Well it's kind of like their version at the time. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So actually since that was like in a sense her version of the talk because we talked we dated a little back where it's like you know yeah. from Rodney King to probably Trayvon Martin it wasn't yeah. really heard of or that common where you kind of needed to have that talk. Mm-hmm. But now that you're getting older, probably in the future, you might have kids too, and you might have a black son. How would you have that conversation? Do you think you actually need to, do you think you'll need to have that conversation? Uh, I believe so. I mean, I remember hearing, I remember reading this report, maybe like eight, six years ago about how the year 2050 something, most of the world is going to be mixed anyways. They're going to mm-hmm. have like brown skin and green eyes and stuff like that. Uh, which sounds like a very uh, pleasant place, to be honest, because everyone will be kind of looking similar. Right. But in terms of uh, how I'm going to have the conversation with my son or daughter in terms mm-hmm. of racism really depends on, I guess, the times that we're in. If if what's going on right now sets the president into where, you know, equality and no longer pre- and prejudice is on like a very low and, and racism is on the low step. And the people who have systematically put racism inside the systems have dismantled that. The conversation might be a little different. But if things kind of stay the same, which they have been for, you know, decades and centuries, Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to tell my son, uh, depending on where we live, is that, hey, I know that people are going to look at you different. Yeah. uh, And it's going to be, you're going to, you know, face some certain challenges that, not because of who you are, the character that you have, but just basically... Uh, based on their perception of who you are and their, uh, you know, miseducation of like a whole people and what Mm -hmm. they believe that black people may come to, you know, the forefront with, you're going to have to, you know, deal with that, but you're going to have to find a way to understand that it's not you, it's them. Right. And don't take it to heart and and keep on going and keep on going forward into the life in life. uh, Not with a chip on your shoulder, but with, uh, more of a, a, an agenda to, you know, break, break down those walls mm-hmm. of racism and try to bring light in the best way that you can. I mean, it's different, right? Yeah. I, I can't, I can't necessarily tell my son to be angry time he goes outside the house. And no. I know that I'm, I myself, I mean, I might have some different views about, you know, racism and stuff like that, but mm-hmm. I, I'm not, I don't, I want to say personally, I don't walk into an elevator and, and feel like I got to smile at the white people inside the elevator. Yes. I won't be honest with you. I don't, I don't think right. I, I don't I don't think I've I've ever done that yet. Nope. I can't if I have I can't remember. And I don't remember ever crossing the other side of the street to, you know, make sure the the white lady with the dog and the purse feels safe. I've never done that before. To be honest, I look like a little kid to be honest. I haven't I haven't really aged that uh, that fast. So yeah. I don't think I'm that intimidating, right? But I've never really done most of those things to kind of appease white people. Mm-hmm. And um you know that's that's my thing that's the biggest thing like you don't want to feel like you have a chip on your shoulder you don't want to feel like you have to like look around but you definitely want to be aware that 
regardless of the fact this is the society that's you know that we have around us that you are born into so just yeah. kind of just be aware exactly be yeah. aware be aware my next question for you is now we both studied communications at york yeah so there I we was, go. right <laughs> york you so we're kind of like in a sense i would say trained to kind of look at the media in a certain way mm-hmm. like, more than others so yeah. how do you feel when you see the way in which these events are portrayed in the media and how journalists, celebrity influencers, and others narrate it to their following and to the public? See, I'm glad that you asked this question because as, as you know, we, we, I, see the, I see the media differently. Mm-hmm. So I don't necessarily get caught up nope. the way that other people may have. So I look at it as, I'm like, okay, they, this is what they're doing. I see how they're framing it and I see how, what type of you know, agenda it is and sometimes it's sometimes media is objective mm-hmm. but a lot of times they they skew to the left or they skew to the right yes. right because they have a following they have an audience that might they might play to that audience more just because you know numbers and audience and, and revenue it's money it's a money game a lot of times but oh yeah money and branding my brand exactly so when i see the media uh portray certain things or influence portray certain things it's more so it goes back to their brand, right? They don't want to lose the audience that they have, right? No. They want to uh, fit into tribalism because a lot of things what you're seeing right now is tribalism anyways. Mm-hmm. Just people just all, all gathering together for one thing because they don't want to feel left out or ostracized from another or be uh, demonized from the other because people want to be a part of something, right? Yes. And I respect that. You want to be a part of something in, just, in terms of justice, but you don't, don't be a part of something because... You don't want to feel left out because of other, you know, internal things as a human, right? But uh, like it's not a publicity stunt; it's not a whole PR package. Exactly, exactly. So mm-hmm. you don't. I always like I was saying yesterday uh, to my friends and and, my, and Nina, my co-hosts as well. Um, if you don't feel, or before I say that part, before I get to that part, uh, mm-hmm. I just look at what the influencers and the media is doing. I I see it as something that they, it's their job; they have to, you know. Uh, jumble up some type of rage right. amongst people. They're displaying the news. Exactly. Well, fear mongering mm-hmm. as well. Uh, in terms of like even what they're doing with COVID. Yep. This is what they're supposed to do, and and people and people are are consuming the news, mm-hmm. and they speak to that audience, that audience that may not do the extra due diligence to see what's really going on, and. I, I've been outside. I just want to say I've been outside and what I'm seeing on the news versus what's, what's happening outside, the, the very, very different temperatures in terms of I'm not, I don't ever step outside my house in fear that I'm, I'm going to die either or I'm, I'm going to be hit by a KKK member or mm-hmm. I'm going to be hit, you know what I mean? Or I'm going to be a part of a looting thing. It's, it's told two, two different things, right? Yeah. Two different things. But I see that this, this what you're supposed to do. The media, that's what they do, right? They, 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 put, they, got, they got to put news out. Exactly. They got, they got to. So I don't look at it as, you know, the end all be all. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. That's what I'm going to say. Because I found it interesting. I was on Twitter. I think it was last night. And someone showed mm-hmm. a video that they posted on the news. I think it was in Philly. Mm-hmm. And they showed, oh, smoke and fire. And this building's burning. And that building's burning. They used a clip of whatever happened in history. Like, say, like, for example, from the last world war. 
oh, this is what Philly looked like back in the 1900s, same structure, same building. And they're trying to present it as this is what the rioters and the looters are doing and the yeah. protesters are doing in 2020. Yeah. And this is why people need to realize when you watch the news, when you see certain videos on social media, dig deeper. Don't exactly. take everything at face value because the media is allowed to use old video clips and old pictures to represent what's going on now. And that's not the case. Exactly. So then we're creating a fear. We're creating, oh my gosh, this is where the chip in your shoulder comes in. Because exactly. now it's like, oh my gosh, now this is happening. Now I need to be aware. Like you said, we shouldn't have to go outside. I feel like every minute I walk, a police is going to come pull me over. I'm going to get shot or arrested or something like that's going to happen to me. Exactly. I mean, the media plays a lot of the media as well as a lot of brand ambassadors or influencers and people who have like a, a, a big following. They like to play into what um, is called identity politics, right? Mm -hmm. So. Okay, you have to explain that a bit. Identity politics. All right. From what I remember, from what I know is, uh, <laughs> I could be wrong, but I believe I might, I might, guess. I might, I might do, I might do a terrible job through context. And I remember Googling it one time, right. but, um, identity politics, it plays on, um, I guess say like black people, uh, say if you're black, right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you, and if you're black in America, you black people vote for Democrat and, and other black experiences and they mm -hmm. play on those type of experiences and, and your, your race identity in terms of like, because you're this, because you're black, you, you yeah. have to do that or you're no longer considered black. I believe I might be right. I could be wrong. You know what? I'm going to <laughs> Google that. that real quick. I'm going to Google that. <laughs> I, I know that I'm usually like, I'm kind of like, I'm terrible at definitions, but I'd be knowing what I'm talking about. You're like, but don't like, remember. So I'm, I'm uh, going with whatever you say right now. Oh, I don't want to put out false information. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do say, that. Like for like reasons we go allegedly. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't know how I can say allegedly for that one. <laughs> it's a, it's a whole theory out there. I, Just gonna uh, have to double check that real quick. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay, a tendency for people of a particular. Religion, race, social background, etc., to form exclusive political alliances, moving away from traditional broad-based party politics. I don't know if that really makes sense. It sounds more so like a political thing. Right. Uh, but either way, your message still kind of remains the same because a lot of politicians do do that in order to get the votes and be like, "I'm for you," and we get into power. It's like, "No, you're not." Yep. Yep. Mm -mm. No, I think the way I the way I define it is exactly how it was defined here. Yeah. But yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've been knowing a little bit. <laughs> you know what? The music school came in clutch. Yeah. Yeah, man. You know, I am so glad I went to school too. I'm so I'm glad, glad you remember what you learned. Yeah. Hey, man. A lot of the stuff that what I'm starting to realize that a lot of the stuff I went to school for, which I really took for uh for granted mm -hmm. just because i wanted to get the grade and i guess under the institution of learning it was kind of all like a, a a very a very tedious task yeah but it's all kind of like reintroducing itself in the real world it which is. a lot of people a lot of times people say man there's nothing you're not really learning anything in school probably if you take the wrong courses but i think i yeah. took the right courses that i just took for granted so i even took this one class that taught me about uh uh 
protesting, I believe, protesting and stuff like that. Mm. And so now that I'm seeing, I'm sitting back and I'm seeing different ways to protest and uh, especially, I, I don't want to go too off topic for it. Yeah, yeah. Conversation. no worries. Uh, but I'm just going to add this tidbit. In this protest class, I learned a lot about uh, different societies and different groups that protested over the year and mm-hmm. how they used violence i mean a lot of people talk about violence is a bad thing but they use violence in terms of uh uprising and and really shaking things up in terms of getting things to do what they want yeah uh, we could we have the french revolution to be one of the one of the biggest riots and revolutions where they actually killed what uh louis king louis the something's head off with mm-hmm. a guillotine uh, exacting power out of and putting the power back into the people, and even we have the Haitian Revolution. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have uh, what are the revolutions? There's a lot of revolutions that happen. Even uh, the LGBT, the Great uh, Stonewall riots, they, that went violent as well. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like there's a lot of a lot of things and that went that went violent, and it, things were able to exact things. But when they talk about black people getting violent, they also talk about you be peaceful. But yeah. I think they're. I think when they say peaceful, I think they're just kind of stuck in um, MLK's uh, agenda in terms of how and to do things. But it's not mm-hmm. wrong. But no. like, I mean, it, he was able to get what he got. But you know, sometimes you you have to take ex- inspiration from other historical uh, protests and revolutions to kind of get to where you gotta want to be. Right. It's like let's be real. Um, Dr. King, Martin Luther King was peaceful. Malcolm X was more like the violent side. Yeah, he wasn't in the streets, man. Right? (laughs) However, unfortunately, they still kind of died the same way, but still got the same results. Yeah. Which kind of ties in the protest, how you described that, kind of ties into the next question. How do you feel about the effectiveness of a peaceful protest versus, I would say, a more violent one? And we can see that the protest here in Toronto this past weekend, actually, Mm -hmm. in a sense, it's like night and day compared to what's going on in the States right now. So, and then... How do you feel when it comes to those different kinds of protests and what the media is showing us? Oh, so I, I actually had spoken with Nina about this yesterday about the protests. So mm-hmm. uh, from what I, I know about the MLK peaceful uh, protest was that uh, even I think even um, Nelson Mandela did peaceful protesting as well. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, from the MLK protest, from what I remember, the, the reason why it was peaceful is because black people in America at that time were seen as three fourths of a man or something like that, or less than a human, basically. Mm-hmm. And so Martin Luther King and his, and his congregation went into this going, mm-hmm. we, can't be, we can't be seen as human if we, portray, if we play into their, their vision of who we are as animals, right? If they think that we're barbaric mm. and they think that we're animals and stuff like that, they're not going to give us what we want. Yeah. So we got to go in there through means of a peaceful protest in terms of nonviolent. Mm-hmm. So when they beat on us, don't hit them back. When they, when they uh, water us down with hoses, don't, don't chase them back. You have to take the beatings because when they, they show us in the, in the news and the newspaper with yeah. pictures of us being beaten, it will bring the emotion out of the general public of the white people in America at the time to go like, and for them to feel sympathetic and empathetic to what our people are going through. That's why they did it that way. But 
That's why. That's why. That's what was the peaceful protest at the moment because they wanted to bring emotion through the general public. Yeah. And they're like, well, why? Why do they keep on beating these guys? Are not doing anything to them? Why, why do they? Why are they violently just, uh, beating these black people? Mm-hmm. So that's how. That's how it was generated. So that's that's if and that's a plan. That's that was a plan. That was a plan. Yeah. In violent protest, uh, a lot of times when people violently protest, it's uh, they really are just angry and they don't know any other ways to kind of. Uh, bring about change and sometimes Mm -hmm. and and we've seen over history i can't say it doesn't work we've seen over history violent violent stuff happen and they just want to get their point across and even going back to maybe arguments with friends or maybe arguments with other people uh it's hard it's kind of it's kind of hard to keep a cool head under like very severe circumstances and Mm -hmm. and people oftentimes during these type of times like people respect aggression for some reason yes you know what I mean? So when you be aggressive with someone, it was like, all right, I, I hear you. All right, let me, what, what, what do you want? Let's just figure something out. Right. Maybe this is a time where we have to be ultra aggressive and, and bring it to the doorstep until it's like, all right, you got it. Because I see a lot of people being like, okay, you know, we've been peaceful for too long. We've been nice. Mm-hmm. We've asked. And however, here we are again, same police brutality, same method of killing, same method of dying, same sentence, I can't breathe is being mm-hmm. chanted. So if you don't want to take us peacefully, heck, we have to get violent. But kind of a side question, we see the violence and by all means, do what you have to do. But how do you feel in terms of the looting and the destroying Mm -hmm. of businesses, whether big or small? So this is another thing too. I feel like depending on who you ask, uh, you'll get two different questions. Uh, Me, I would like to stay in the middle in terms of just because I've seen two different perspectives on it. I seen one you have to put video. yourself in both shoes. Exactly, mm-hmm. and uh, and there's a lot, there's a lot of nuance to it to it anyways. Yeah. Uh, from looking at it, I saw another video on Twitter, and one guy had his camera videotaping. He was like, "Yo, push over the truck or something," and then people looked back and it was like, "What are you, what are you talking about? What are you, what are you talking about? Why? This is a peaceful protest. Mm-hmm. Why you why you why do you want us to push over the truck?" And then everyone around us started going like, "Why you want us to push over the truck? Yo, get the fuck out of here." get out of here because and then one person was like one person was like if we do any destroying it's going to go back on the black people and make them look bad why would you want us to do that Mm -hmm. but on the other hand when you ask about looting and rioting people will go like violence is the answer violence is what else we've we've done everything we've done everything else we have to we have to loot we have to violate we have to uh, create chaos uh uproar this is an uprising and don't talk about, you know, keeping the peace and not looting. Mm-hmm. That's what we got to do. And, and people are angry. Point. But, and here's the nuance to a lot of it. We, the, black people as a whole, or maybe like, not say as a whole, but let's say majority of black people may not even uh, be starting the looting or the rioting. Yeah. It might be, it might be a cause and effect, maybe through uh, aggressive police actions and, uh, people, a bunch of people getting hit, and that's causing uh, a physical reaction in terms of like, all right, I'm angry. You hit us, you beat us up. We want to mm-hmm. fight back. We want, we want to fight back. Or we have others uh, popping into the protests at night and destroying property, and then you know maybe opportunist people of the uh, of the protests like, whoa, they they looting over there. Let me go, let me see if I can get some myself. Yeah, and, and that happened as well. So you know, there's different there's nuances to everything. But do, where do I stand? Uh, let's get, let's forward. Let's go. Keep on moving forward. Exactly. 
And I think it's also important to kind of mention too, we see this a lot happening a lot and that's the same. We can't really say it's good and it's bad. However, what I don't approve of, of the people who, again, you're not in solidarity with us, you're not in allegiance with us, but you're using this as an opportunity yeah. to pretty much get free shit. Exactly. And pretty much be, um, sorry, there's sirens in my background, <laughs> pretty much <laughs> destroying property for no reason because heck well i can't go nowhere because of covid so here i'm about to have my fun and destroy yeah. and steal yeah people taking uh gucci shoes dior <laughs> dior bags rolex watches they're coming up they're coming up they're coming up they're doing a whole bunch of stuff i literally saw a video on twitter where this woman ran into targets and this was like in the very beginning of the protest yeah and she looted two lamps you're telling me on no other day you could have bought the laps? You could have got those laps on Amazon. Opportunity to be like, oh, yes, thank God the black people are protesting. Let me go loot Target for two lamps. Yeah. I was like, oh. So you see. And these are the things that they're not showing the media. These are the people they're not showing. They're not showing the cops who are, like, you know, undercover doing this themselves for their personal gain starting the fights in order Mm -hmm. to have something to report and someone to arrest yeah yeah so like if you're gonna be out there you're gonna be doing it just be smart about it yeah know who you're following exactly yep i mean like when you go when people out in america go on to protest uh some might be going for a peaceful protest Mm -hmm. uh, to be heard to be seen uh the the spread the energy and and put forth the effort, the effort of actually being out there with the people and in, in unifying us. Yes. And then there's some that might just be like livid about their situation and and feel like breaking stuff is going to be cathartic. I guess that's what the word mm-hmm. uh, for their anger, and they might exact it out on a small mom and pop shop or a big business retailer like a Target. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let me see. My next question for you is, okay, what do you say to those non-Blacks who are, who either haven't spoken up at all or who speak up in private, but not in public mm-hmm. and who haven't really shown their allyship to the words, the Black community or who think, oh, you know, this is my place. This, this isn't my fight. I feel okay. awkward. This is for you. Ah, uh, so I think a lot of, a lot of the conversations, even going back to, I guess, just conversation with racism mm-hmm. is having those tough uh, private conversations because those private conversations manifest themselves into uh, public reactions and and how you go about outside your house right yes. so if a child is, is taught racism with inside the home right privately mm-hmm. you don't think that child is going to soak up all that type of stuff like a sponge and then project it onto uh the other other races that they may deem inferior to them so Yep. I think private private conversations are very important. Very important. A lot of private a lot of private things that a lot of things that happen in the dark or not in the, I want to say in the dark but privately uh, mm-hmm. do manifest themselves out into public in other in whatever type of way. So I feel like private conversations, those tough private conversations with your friends talking about if you are a uh, uh, non uh, non-black and you're having those type of tough conversations with your other non-black friends about how those racist remarks or how you know that type of you know views or lens that you may have on black people yeah. can be seen as counterproductive towards our society and moving forward and actually oppressing them in a way too. 
those conversations are needed. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't necessarily always need to, you know, bash uh, your friend out in public because uh, we see certain things like that happen. It's like it, you could take the time to educate them. Right. Yes. You want to take you want to take the honest effort because this is all we're, what we're doing right now. We're trying to educate. We're trying to bring everyone in and allow them to know the, the, the struggle and the reasoning behind them. Instead of just, you know, pointing the finger, you're racist. Get the hell out of here. Might as mm-hmm. well just go like, you know what? That was you're doing too much, buddy. But I'm going to tell you why you're doing too much. And this is what's going on. Exactly. So those those, pro- those conversations are very needed. And also those things might be really productive when you do it in private. Because the one-on-one conversations, you know, either, you know, we get in there, we want to have a conversation. One of us is going to come back learning a little bit more, right? Yes. Uh, learning a little bit more about the other. A discourse is always great. With this. Uh, in terms of having those public uh, conversations, uh, it's always great as well. Uh, the only thing about the public conversation is, uh, depending on who's your audience or who, who it is, they might think that you are pandering. And that's the, that's the big word. And I always say that that is, uh, you, if you're speaking genuinely from the heart mm-hmm. and you want, and you feel like there is a real injustice going on, uh, speak that you don't gotta, you don't gotta type anything eloquent and stuff like that. No. Uh, the people who are going to judge you for that are the people who probably never really liked you to begin with, or has some type of, uh, slight towards you anyways. Exactly. The people that are, see your message in general, you go like, all right, thank you for even, you know, spreading this type of positive message towards the world and other people who may not be aware. Uh, thank you. Mm-hmm. And um, the people who see what's going on and, uh, and, and rather not speak on it. Uh, I, I, like I was talking to Nina, I was like, I don't think, I don't necessarily want to, you know, say that you're, you're held accountable for not speaking because yeah. The, the train is going to go on. Progress is going to go on with it, which helps you. You know, you either, and I say, and I don't say that to say that you rather come, you're going to get rolled over by progress is that mm-hmm. uh, they may not know what they do. So yeah. my child, don't worry about it. Freedom is going to happen. Justice is going to happen, whether you speak out on it or you don't, mm-hmm. but the world is going to change around you. So rather if you don't speak or you don't, if you don't speak or you don't say anything or you do anything, same thing things are moving with without your participation but yep. it may not be for you you may not appreciate it but your children that's going to come up right after your grandchildren they're going to appreciate it so oh, i don't absolutely. necessarily i don't necessarily point the finger and be mad at people a lot <laughs> of people don't speak out a lot of things so uh you know injustice anywhere is a, is a threat to justice anywhere so if we stopping it right here and you don't want to be a part of it i understand that but your children are going to appreciate this all right exactly just take kind of just the baby steps. Start again, like you said, educate yourself, start in your own backyard, have these private conversations. Because clearly these are things that are conversations we typically avoid. Because like you said, we don't like the discomfort. We don't like the awkwardness. We don't want that tension with our friend. Sometimes it might not even be the case. You need to start having these conversations with people. And if they are well receptive of it, then you know those are your friends. Those are people mm-hmm. who generally care about you, who care about your family, who care about their partner, if their partner is black, whatever the case may be, if they take offense to it, or now they feel like they're being attacked, or like, you know, I'm going to unfollow, well, those weren't your friends, boo. Those weren't your supporters. Exactly. Yeah. Baby steps, baby steps. Exactly. It's uh, just build a a space in terms of like having proper discourse in terms of uh, understanding why. Mm -hmm things are the way they are and 
if you and the best way to the best way to do that is empathy do you have some empathy for other people yeah that being said it's going to allow you to you know join the movement and or uh you know progressively go forward in terms of not trying to hinder people based on their skin and stuff like that absolutely oh absolutely i just put yourself in their shoes and just kind of see what can I kind of do to help? How can I educate myself on this to make sure that going forward, we're going forward in the right direction. Exactly. And then uh, even, even what Dr. Umar uh, and uh, I don't know, Dr. Umar and uh, Malcolm X in his early stages, they didn't really want any, uh, any other, any other people other than black people inside the movement because they found that it would uh, infiltrate and, and uh, saturate or not saturate, but bring down the overall movement. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know what I mean? So it depends on who you ask. It depends on who you ask. People might say we, we need more people to come in and collectively understand yeah. which, is, which is going on right now. But you ask Malcolm X back in his earlier stages of his life in terms of when he's, you know, doing the whole black power movement. Mm-hmm. He was he was like, nah, we don't we don't want infiltrators. We don't want other people inside our movement. No, nope. you know. Dr. Umar himself is like, hey, you whatever white people get into, they change it into their own agenda. Yeah, that's when all lives matter come in. Yeah, or or yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So it depends on who you ask, but I think the the collective uh, want everyone to kind of see what's going on and and fix up. Hmm. I absolutely agree. And then my next question for you is: moving forward, how can we help the black community? And let's, I, would, I want to tailor this more towards Toronto. Mm-hmm. I would say let's start in our own backyard. So moving forward, how can we help the Black community within our own city, making sure that our efforts and voices stay consistent and not remain a temporary fix? How do we continue to come together and support one another? Uh, I think that's, the, I think that's the, the key, is just figuring a way to just at least meet people eye to eye in terms of just you know unifying each other. Mm-hmm. I remember having this conversation with someone else because he wants to start this initiative in terms of upbringing the black community by, um, you know, getting scholarships for like, you know, the STEM programs, uh, getting more officers that are of color that come mm-hmm. inside the neighborhoods and, and actually join the forces. And uh, I, I forget the other things that you said, but he has some really good uh, poignant things in terms of like what would help the black community overall. And I yeah. think those are the, some, those are some of the stuff right there, but, but I think it's, 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 we have to find a solid foundation in terms of what's going to bring us together in terms of uh, in betterment. And I feel like it's getting us in, getting us in place of power mm-hmm. in terms of not only just on the police force and stuff like that, but, but let's get us in office. Cause yes. I remember, I remember, I, I remember I, I, cause I speak about race a lot mm-hmm. and it's not because I am just some, uh, this guy who just fixated on race. It's just that, race is a, a, a conversation that everyone seems to have like race and love and religion is like a conversation that never really has an answer to any of it. Exactly. So, uh, just speaking on race, I remember a few years ago when uh, Doug Ford got put in office and he was uh, showing us his council mm-hmm. right, or ministry council. I forget what the exact name is. And I was there with my mom watching CP24 as they rang in each person for different, you know, ministry of health, ministry of education, yep. uh, ministry of like, uh, transportation and stuff like that and I looked at myself and I thought to myself and I scratched my head out, I scratched my chin I'm like I don't see any, I don't see any black people on here 
mm-hmm. right? And then I took that same energy and I spoke it to um, the people I, I was doing my radio show with. And I was like, you know what? I don't see any black people in the thing, in the, in the, in the, in politics, yes. especially at that high level. And they're exactly. like, yeah, black people, black people, they're not trying to do that. They're, they're not trying to get any education and stuff like that. They're not trying to do any Whoa. of that. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, what are you talking about? It's like, yo, black people from the hood, they, 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 they are tough. And this is me. I'm, I'm, I'm from the suburbs and I'm in school, right? Yeah. I'm in school. What are you talking? I'm like, I don't, I have, per, I, me particularly, I probably don't have a profound, like, uh, I don't have the gift for politics. And I guess that's the best way of me saying, it. or maybe I'm just not interested even to join, to be that invested into it. Mm-hmm. But there has to be plenty of more black, uh, black people that are invested in politics, but just oh, yes. are probably discouraged because people are telling them like, yeah, this, this is not it. It's and so, it's like discouragement, but also at the same time, there's people who want to be in it, but they don't want to give those people the chance. They don't want to give those people the opportunity to vote. Yeah. Exactly. So, and it, it's, it starts with us. We have to find, it starts with us. So we have to get ourselves into power in the position of power where things can be changed. Cause I'm seeing a lot of the South Asian community, although they feel, uh, face a lot of discrimination as well, they're putting themselves into positions of power to where they're able to, you know, uh, rep, have representation, which is a very, and very essential thing. Representation, allowing to see your people in different sectors of the economy or, yeah. or, of the, or, or of the nation. So the young people coming up now have something to look up to in terms of this is possible. Exactly. You need, you need to have these representations. You need to have yeah. these faces. It's not like, oh, just because they're Black, they need to be in it or they deserve it. That's not what mm-hmm. we're saying. But what we're saying, there's people just as qualified, just as educated, if not more, but you already downplay them because of what they look like. Maybe they have, you know, probably very, you know, in a sense, black or ghetto name and be like, oh, well, they're not worthy. That's not the case. Mm-hmm. That could have been the best person you had in that seat on your team, but you decided to overlook them. We need to have these representations in all elements of life, in all stages, in all platforms, whether it's politics, whether it's TV, whether it's in the hospitals, at the doctor's office. We need to see someone that looks like us. We need to have that person where our kids can look and be like, I want to be like him. I want to be like her. We might not exactly. be much for politics because I know I'm not. Mm. However, <laughs> we need to have that person. We need to have that voice. Exactly. That's what it is. It, yeah. That's what it is. And especially, um, I, guess, I guess kids in America have uh, a different... Um, uh, someone to look up to in terms of Obama. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Obama was like an inspiration to a lot of a lot of people worldwide as that, but especially the kids in America because people saw their first black president inside that country. Yes, and uh, they're able to go like, this is possible, and they're able to tell their kids and their grandkids that this is possible. It's happened. Mm-hmm. You know, it took a it took a long time. It took fighting to get there, but it's possible. Oh, and yeah. the next time there's another black president there, it's going to make it easy for the third and the fourth in the fifth and then exactly. you know, on and so forth overall just take the chance if you want to do it do it don't downplay yourself don't say oh i can't because there's no one that looks like me there's so many people who came before us where they didn't have that person to look up to yeah so if you don't have that person be that person yeah right exactly being the first in anything is always the hardest 
Exactly. You gotta set you gotta set the precedent. That's what it is. Right? Set the standard. Make the bar high. <laughs> exactly. Make it real high. And anything like any final questions, remarks that you would like to cover? Um nah, I mean, I see that this is this is Tuesday. Uh we see I'll see a lot of the blackout Tuesday. And uh, some uh, a lot of people are participating in that, and uh, I mean even within me looking at that outside looking in, well not to yeah. say outside, but me seeing what's going on, uh, I see that this is I mean for one it's solidarity, yes, amongst the, the amongst the people, but um, I'm just I, I want to see what we exactly what we doing in terms of like just yeah we're all we all we all together we all y'all have a shared collective experience mm-hmm. and posting black stuff is uh it seems very uh, seems like that but uh i just get into the streets and let's go back outside yeah if we're not outside today you know like, go back outside let's you know put uh what what's it called feet the ground or ground the feet or whatever that saying is i don't know the saying thing is i know exactly what you're talking about it's so, like on the tip of my tongue like the feet to the pavement <laughs> There we go. Something like that. Something like something that. Like that. Close yeah, enough. something like that. Let's, let's let's get outside, man. Let's right? get outside. Put our money where our mouth is. Make our actions speak for yeah. itself. Words can only go so exactly. far, right? Exactly. And and social media posts can only go so far. I mean, I, I glad. I mean, I've seen social media create positive things in the real world mm-hmm. in terms of like, I, let's say highlight, let's say R. Kelly. Like they they got that man arrested after the whole documentary, and people kept on posting. And yep. we saw the Me Too movement, lock up Harvey Weinstein and Bill yes. Cosby and, and Kevin Spacey or mm-hmm. something. I don't know if he got locked up, but it really it, what, and it brought attention to him pressed. nonetheless. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It, it brought a real attention to him where, you know, the authorities started to look into, you know, particular actions and people were exposed. So I saw some real positive things, but that's just us versus, you know, other people. But when yeah. it comes to us versus uh, the establishment, like the government, which, you know, regulates taxes and stuff like that, mm-hmm. I think we're going to have to bring a little bit more stronger gunpowder to this fight. You know what I mean? Absolutely agree. Yeah. Oh, yes. So thank you, Apollo, so much for joining us today. Make sure you guys check him out on The Educated and The Reckless. Yes. Make sure you check out his blog, hit him up on social media. Honestly, thank you so much for joining this conversation. I hope you guys were able to take away a point here or there. Thank you. Thank you for yes. having me. I enjoyed the conversation. I so did. Thank you so much. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Bye-bye. Take care. This concludes the first episode of Unapologetically Black. Thank you so much to Anissa and Apollo for joining me today. If you have any comments, questions, or podcast topics, feel free to hit me up on social media at Unapologetically Her on Instagram and at Unapologetic underscore UH on Twitter. Also, don't forget, you can listen to the podcast on various platforms, including Anchor, Apple Podcast, Breaker, Google Podcast, Overcast, Podbean, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, SoundCloud, Spotify, and YouTube. Once again, thank you all for listening. Hopefully, you'll tune in for a new episode. Much love, peace, stay safe, and stay black. <laughs>